So this parak is uh, the whole parak is basically about tshuva, and it's interesting to know why this parak is placed over here, like in the middle of the sefer, a whole parak about tshuva. What's the connection between parak mem gimel? Let's say the previous parak, parak mem beis. So Marzu says two points over here. The first point is that the parak mem beis, which speaks about kriyas uh, yamsuf. Which we learned about last year, before, uh, Pesach, two years ago, Pesach. So it says in the parak that by Kriyas Yamsov, Bnei Yisrael did tshuva. So when it mentioned that Bnei Yisrael did tshuva, they, they discarded their vodizars by by Kriyas Yamsov. So since we mentioned tshuva, so now we're going to talk about tshuva. That's one point. The other point is that it says in in the previous parak in Pergamon Beis that Para was saved from Kriyas Yamsov, and we're going to see later on in this parak. That Pyro did tshuva, and later on he, he became the king of Nineveh, and he got everyone to do tshuva, etc. Not going to see that today, we'll see that next time we meet. That's at the end of this parak. So, because it spoke about Pyro doing, it spoke about Pyro being saved in order to do tshuva, and then this parak speaks about Pyro getting other people to do tshuva, and he himself doing tshuva, so we mentioned a whole parak about tshuva. And the Radas has another idea that if we're following. The the one of one of the recurring themes that we have in Pekud Debeliezer is the different brachos of Shemun Esrei. Who, who what are the different brachos of Shemun Esrei corresponding to? So the first bracha we said is Mogin Avram, can I get Avram? Mechayim Beitzim, can I get Yitzchok? Hakelo Kadosh, can I get Yaakov Avinu? And then we said Chayne Nadas, can I get Moshe Avinu? That Hashem gave him the knowledge to know the name of Hashem. So in this parak, we're going to see that there's a bracha of Reitzah B'tshuva at the end of the parak. So we're building up to the next bracha, the, 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 the fifth bracha of Shema Nasser, which is Reitzah B'tshuva, which is at the end of the parak. So we wanted to speak all parak about tshuva. Fine. So, again, okay, parak Mem Gimel, the manager starts off like this. It starts off quoting the Mishnah in Mesachas Ovis. The Mishnah says, Tshuva umaisim taivim kitris lefnei puranus. Tshuva, repentance and good deeds it's like a shield in front of Peronius. Peronius, people usually translate Peronius as, um, as, as a punishment. Like an Oynish. Oynish. Peronius usually is synonymous with Oynish. But I, I would say it a little bit differently. Because the word Peronius it, it also can mean, like, is a, the Shurish is para, to give back. Like, you know, para is choivoy. He paid back his, his loan. So Peronius is not necessarily punishment but it's more retribution getting back what you deserve Piranha. so doing tshuva repentance and good deeds is like a shield that prote- protects a person from retribution from divine retribution that could punish him for his affairs oh. what? what? yeah but it, it's retribution that's used as a punishment but the, the, the word Piranha as opposed to the word Oynish Piranha means retribution and Oynish means punishment that the word Peronis is mean is meant as punishment, but it doesn't mean literally punishment. I think that's a, a, my understanding at least. Rabbi Kiva Eimer. Rabbi Kiva says Nivris Hatshuva. Tshuva was created, and we said in Perg, all the way way back when in Paragimel we said that Tshuva was created before the world was created. So for sure Hashem is always going to accept Tshuva because it was built into the fabric of creation. And the right hand of Hashem is stretched out, not literally, of course, because Hashem doesn't have a body, but it's stretched out in order to receive the tshuva of the people that want to do tshuva every day. What's this every day? Hashem says, 
Bnei uh, Adam, sons of men, mankind, Shuvah, you should return, come back to Hashem. That's what the idea of Shuva is. Shuva means a return. A person used to have, a, the Nefesh Shechaim explains that a person has a special connection to Hashem. And then when you do, when a person does an Avera, so it cuts off that connection, it makes him further and further away from Hashem. And when a person does Tshuva, he's coming closer and closer to Hashem. So Tshuva literally means return. He's returning to that place where he used to be closer to Hashem. But it's this idea that Hashem is ready to accept Tshuva every day. So the, the Pashas I would understand is because the Gemara says, the Mishnah always says that a person should do Tshuva the day before he dies. The problem is you don't know what day you're going to die, so therefore you should do tshuva every day. So that means that's what it means. That every day, every day, a person is supposed to be doing tshuva. Another nikkudah, Rabbi Leomi Israel says a different idea that you can have a person who you know, he has he has certain he has certain types to do different types of averes, and he's doing it, doing it, doing it. And when he gets older, so his types to do those averes are weakened. Right? He's older, he can't he can't even do the, some of those averes if he, even if he wanted to. Right, but still, Hashem is 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 willing to accept his tshuva any day. Even if he's going to do tshuva when he's older, and he can't even do the veris. So it's like say a lower level of tshuva because it's not like you you're doing you're stopping to do the veris because you don't want to do it anymore. It's because you let's say physically can't do it. Right, he's weaker. He doesn't have such a taiva. Still, Hashem is willing to accept that tshuva any day. Any any day that a person is willing to do tshuva to stop doing the veris, Hashem is willing to accept that tshuva. But again, it's not, it's not obvious, it's not the most optimal to do tshuva when he's older. To do tshuva when you're younger is, is, more, is more complete tshuva. But whatever you do, you know, that Hashem is willing to accept it. Right. Now the Medrash is going to bring uh, different stories of people in Tanakh and even outside of Tanakh that did tshuva and, and, and we see that it helped protect them from, from different punishments or retributions that are going to come to them or to Kal Yisrael in general. Yeah. You know the Christians is very well known thing. They go, they, they go to the, to the what's it called, uh, the, to, uh, to the priest. The yeah. The priest and, and, and they, whatever they, they confess and they do whatever they do. Yeah. I wonder if you know, for them, Hashem is also like a willing, like it's, what's it called, it, uh, to ready to, to, to accept their tshuva every day, or do they have to like to put everything in a package and then, uh, and then send them off like a, you know, like a big truck, like on every, let's say, Sunday, whatever. I don't know. This is very interesting. Like uh, they don't believe in tshuva, really. This is, this is whatever they do is, is to tell some someone else. Okay. <laughs> well, hopefully, this week we'll get a few more details <coughs> of what tshuva is and how tshuva works. And next week, next week, I sort of plan on speaking about about the way Christians view how tshuva works, and 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 how it doesn't. It just like doesn't. It doesn't. We'll, we'll see the medish over here uh, later on in the, in the, towards the end of the parish is Mamish telling you like the way they say it Mamish doesn't work you'll see you'll, 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 you'll see how it's set up Already, he, he, he gave us already. So 
what what's what the, the how, how does it work? I mean, well, Chazal tell us that Ha'oymer echtev oshuv Ainless three can be other last tshuva The person says, I'm going to do a vera And then I'll do tshuva afterwards You're doing the vera and you're saying, I'm going to do tshuva You know, then Ainless three can be other last tshuva I don't know if that means that you can't do tshuva It means that it's very, very hard for such a person to do tshuva Because that was your plan all along Right? Yeah. So you have to like show like, you know, genuine remorse for what you've done Even, even if you did tshuva, like you're not, you're not Anish is like, like I said, the Quran is, you might not be safe from Quran because you have to, you know, to, to pay your debt. Right. So, but Chubu was in place of. I mean, the, the, the Gemara in Masechah's Yum, whatever Yum over here? Gemara in Masechah's Yum says that different. Different degrees of averes, you know, sometimes tshuva is not enough. So you need like tshuva and you know yisurin, or tshuva yisurin and misa. There's different different types of different. It's a, a sliding scale. Yeah, you have, have to, to to give something something in return. But it could be if a person really does genuine tshuva me'ava, then all, even none of those things would apply. Maybe the Akamar is only talking about tshuva me'ira. This is the first time to speak about it. Al-Kapana, so we're going to speak about different stories in Tanakh. Hopefully we'll get, we'll get three stories done today. You should know about the power of Tzedakah and Tshuva. So this is Marzu. We're not talking about Tzedakah over here. We're just talking about Tshuva. I don't know why it says the word Tzedakah. Take out the word Tzedakah. We spoke about Tzedakah, Perek, Lamed, Gimel. The power of Tzedakah. Why does it say Tzedakah? I don't know. It, it, it's a mistake. I looked in the manuscript. It doesn't say the word Tzedakah. Oh. So it says, Tzedakah, Come and know about the kayak of tshuva, the power of tshuva. Boy Come and see from Achav, the king of Yisrael. Now he was the king of Malchus Yisrael. We've spoken about Achav in the past, and Achav did some pretty serious things. He, you know, he he was one of the sponsors of the worship of Baal in Malchus Yisrael. You know, he wrote on the gate to this to his city. He said like, um, Achav Melch Yisrael has nothing to do with Hashem, the God of Israel. You know, he did all kinds of bad things but the culminate you know the, that was the famous story of the the showdown of the Nevi'e Abal and the Nevi'e Hashem with with Elio and Navi at Harakarmel that's done in the time of Achav Melch Yisrael but the, 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 the straw that, that broke the camel's back the like the worst bad thing that Achav did the final the final bad thing that he did was the murder of someone named Novois. There was a guy named Novois who owned a vineyard not far away from where Achav lived, and Achav decided that you know, he wanted to get that guy's vineyard, but there was no way for him to legally just take it away. There's no imminent domain necessarily for Stamas wave. So, so Izevel came up with a whole plan how to get how to get um, Novois' vineyard. What's the plan? The plan is I'm going to hire two false witnesses to testify. That he cursed Hashem and he cursed the king, therefore he'll be put to death. And since he cursed the king, so we'll be able to confiscate his property, and now you'll get you'll get his vineyard. And that's what they did. They killed they killed Novais in this uh, judicial way. Right? They made it look like it was it was legal. Everything looked out kosher v'yosher, and they took his field. And 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 that's what that's what no, that that's what Achav did. They took that's how he got Novais's field. So then Elio Novi comes to him, and Elio Novi says to him famous words. Did you commit murder and also inherit the guy that you murdered? Right? And because of that, Elio Novi basically says in Nevoah that Achav's family is going to be wiped out. 
So here, this is the Medrash says, "Sheosa boyer eim achav melchis." So come and see from Achav, the king of Israel, "Sheosa tshuva gedola." He did a great tshuva. Shegaza v'chamas v'ratzach, because previously he was stealing and gaza v'chamas. When we spoke about before, when we talked about the Dora 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 Palaga, Dora Mabel, I think Dora Mabel. What's the difference between gzela, a gazlin, and a chamsin? So Tesis and Baba Kama in the end of the sixth parak. Tesis says a gazlin is the person who just steals your thing in Vizel, just steals it. The Khamsa is the guy who steals the thing and he gives you the money for it. They both they both did something wrong, they both stole whatever, but the Khamsa gives you money, the Gazlin doesn't. So Gazal Khamas he stole and you stole, Baratzah he murdered, Shinamar Hartzakta Gami Rashta, right? Have you have you murdered and also inherited the person that you murdered? There's another Gersa that says that he was he was Gazal v'chomad v'ratzach. The Menorah Shemar has a case of chomad v'ratzach. The Radal says that he was trying to he was trying to speak out that it was Gazal v'chomad v'ratzach. His mamish he was he was transgressing the Ten Commandments. Chomad loy sachmoid no chomad ratzach loy loy sirtzach no ratzach. Okay, slightly different gersa, but the same idea that he was he did all these affairs. And what did he do for his tshuva? And uh, when he called to Yeshavat Melch Yehuda, Yeshavat, the king of Yehuda, he was a tzaddik, a righteous king. The only criticism about Yeshavat Melch Yehuda was that he had too much shaykhus with the family of Achav. He made chastens with them, he went to war together with Achav against, um, against Maya, together with Achav's. Well, different, different, different things that Yeshavat had too much shaykhus with his family and Achav's family. So he called Yeshua Melch Yehuda, but he nation like Malchus Arboy Mechol Yoyim Shalish Pamim, and he asked Yeshua to give him Malchus forty lashes, or really thirty-nine lashes, I guess, every day, thirty times a day. So Achav's one of the ways Achav did Shuba was that he had Yeshua Melch Yehuda give him Malchus three times a day. The Radal says maybe it mean, doesn't mean it's supposed to say three times a day. If Pashas that means that uh, the three times a Yudavin. Arab Baker Tsarain, before each davening he got Malchus. The Radal wants to say maybe it's supposed to say not three times a day, but every day for three years. Because we see that the Achav did Shuvah for three years before he ended up being killed in war. Maybe that's what it means. Uvit Saim and he fasted. Gemara's that talk about Midrashim that talk about Achav fasting. Some of Farshim say that his fasting just means that like he would eat his meal three hours later in the day than he would normally. But on the Darga of Achav, you know, that's considered fasting. And he would pray, he would wake up early in the morning and he would stay out late at night. In front of Hashem and he would pray to him. And Achav would be busy learning Torah all his days. And he did not return to his evil deeds anymore. And his tshuva was accepted. It, was appeased, it appeased Hashem. And Hashem accepted his tshuva. It says in the apostle, Have you seen that Achav uh, subjugated himself in front of me? He, he, made him, he humbled himself in front of me. And therefore Hashem says to Eliyahu that even though we said Achav's family is going to be wiped out, but it's not going to happen in his time. It's going to happen after his time. Okay, so after Ahab, his son Achazyahu became king, and after Achazyahu was Yehiram, and in Yehiram's time, that's when Yehu came and wiped out the whole family of Ahab. 
It, but it wasn't in Ahab's time. Ahab wasn't wiped out with his whole family. Right, so that's the story of Ahab. So we see that it was a great tshuva. Really, he was supposed to be wiped out with his whole family. But because he did tshuva, so Hashem delayed the wiping out of his family until after he died. And he wasn't, he wasn't part of that, that, that gzera. And there's a, a still question you can ask over here. The, the mission of Masech Sanhedrin says that And then it says Three kings and four hediotes. Who are the three kings? Achav, Yeravah ben Avad, Achav and Menashe. So it's the Mishnah in the Sanhedrin says that Achav doesn't have a chelik in an alaba. And here we're saying that Achav did tshuva. So how, how does that work? He did tshuva, no? He, the tshuva was accepted. So why is it in a chelik leilam haba? So to understand this, we have to look a little bit into the idea of what is tshuva. Rabbi Yaina in Shari Tshuva, in Shari Aleph, is a whole arichus. Rabbi Yaina says that there's 20 parts to tshuva. There's 20 steps to tshuva. You know, you have, nowadays they have like the Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 step process. So tshuva, according to Rabbeinu Yainam, is a 20 step process. It's a very complicated 20 step process that Shari Tshuva Shari Aleph discusses. The Rambam in Hilchas Tshuva simplifies it. In Hilchas Tshuva in Perak Beis, the Rambam simplifies it. The Rambam says there's four steps to tshuva. The four steps to tshuva are one is that you stop doing the Vera. One is that you decide that you're not going to do it again. One is that you regret what you did in the past. And one is that you speak out, you do a vidu, you admit your averas verbally, a verbal admission of your averas. Those are the four parts of the tshuva that the Ramam says. In Hilchas Tshuva, Perak Beis, Alcha Beis. So there's all kinds of different parts of tshuva. The Mabit happens to be, he disagrees with both of them, sort of. And the Mabit says that no, tshuva, really tshuva, the main part of tshuva is just two things. First, stop doing the vera, and second, regret doing the vera, and that's it. You don't have to get into 20 parts or 4 parts, these are the, the main two parts of tshuva. The Mabit in Shar Kim Shar HaTshuva, Perak Yud Beis, yeah, Perak Yud Beis, the Mabit says a chiddush. The Mabit says that the mitzvah of tshuva is different than, let's say, the mitzvah of tzitzis. Because the mitzvah of tzitzis, let's say you have a four-cornered beggar. And, and you put tzitzis on three out of four corners of your begging. And you wear it. Have you fulfilled your commandment of mitzvah tzitzis? No! You didn't do anything! But the Mabit says that mitzvah tshuva is different. Mitzvah tshuva, every little part, every little chilek of, of, of doing tshuva, that, that's also in its own way, it's a kiyom of the mitzvah tshuva. It's not like, like you know, like, let's say you eat less than a kezayis of matzah and leil pesach. So you weren't a kind of the mitzvah. Did you do anything? Okay, that's a machlik. Mishnah Malach has a whole shayla whether there's chatzis shirba mitzvahs or not. That maybe you did something, whether it's called a mitzvah or not. But Pashas, you weren't you weren't making a mitzvah right? So by tshuva, the Mabit says that it's different. Tshuva is different. Any little step you take towards towards the ultimate goal of doing complete tshuva, every little step that's also called a mitzvah of tshuva. So that's what the Mabit says. So he says that. So the Mabit says that, like, let's say, charata without aziva sachet, that you um, have remorse, you, have, you regret doing the veras, but you continue doing it, that helps a little bit. Even though Chazal tell us that uh, a person who who 
who does tshuva, but he still does the avera, it's like table v'sheretz biyadai. So what does that mean? It's like table v'sheretz biyadai. The pashas that means it doesn't do anything. Like table v'sheretz biyadai means like you're going to the mikvah while you're holding an impure sheretz in your hand. So that means that you never became pure because because what? Because because you're holding an impure object in your hands, and then and the mikvah never helped you. It's actually Shaila. There, there's a Rabchaim, famous Rabchaim about this. How does, why is the title of the Sheretz be other? What, what, what's the idea of the title of the Sheretz be other? Is it shot that, no, you go to the mikvah and it works, but the second you become Tahar, you become Tame again? Or is it shot that, no, because you're destined to become Tame again because you're anyways holding it, so then going to the mikvah doesn't help Bakhal. You never became Tahar. Here it sounds like, you know, you, you become Tahar, it just that, like, you know, it, it, it messes you up afterwards. But he says that doing a, a charata without, without a ziva sachet, it does something. Or the opposite. A ziva sachet, so you stop doing the avera, but you don't have re- regret. So that also does a little bit something. That's not the optimal tshuva, but every little step of tshuva is, is, some, is a step and it's considered tshuva. So Mabit says, Just like we find by achav, He humbled himself in front of Hashem, and he tore his clothes, and he fasted, like we just said. Right? And he, he regretted all the affairs that he did. But, says the Mabit, the Chiddush, that he didn't stop doing all the affairs that he was doing. You can, he, he still continued doing uh, maybe some of the affairs, maybe all of the affairs, it's not clear exactly what he means. But he didn't stop doing the affairs. So all he did was he had regret, but he didn't stop doing the affairs. So that makes a lot, now it makes a lot of sense. Because he had regret, he did shuva, so the affairs that he did were somewhat erased, so that now the gzair that he's supposed to die... That was that was a race that he's not going to be wiped out with his whole family. It happens to be that the Achav was killed later on in a war in Ramah Iskila and against Aram, but he, the Gzera that he's supposed to be with, with the gruesome death of his whole family, you know, that Gzera was sort of taken away from him and given to just his descendants. But he still didn't do complete Avera that he that he would get back his Chelik in Elam Haba. It wasn't it was that wasn't good enough. So he's still in Chelik Elam Haba. But the idea, it's an it's a interesting idea that the Mabit is Mechadishtah that every little step that a person does in Tshuva, that's already a key in the midst of Tshuva. Fine, right there. So that's the first story. The first story that shows us the power of Tshuva is the story of Ahav. Rabbi Abba Oimer. Rabbi Abba says, Come and see, the, you should know about the power of Tshuva from David Melech Yisrael. David Melech Yisrael. What's the story? Hu promised the forefathers that he would make many their descendants like the stars of the heavens. And David, the king of Israel, came to count them. Meaning Hashem said that they're going to be so multiple, multiplicious that they're going to be like the stars of the, of the sky. You're not going to be able to count them. And David went and said, No, I want to count B'nai Yisrael and see how many people there are. We're going to, have to, we're going to, we're going to see later exactly what was David Amal thinking. Doesn't he know that that there's an Israel to count B'nai Yisrael and you have to do a dafka with Machtas a shekel because the Apostle says so that there won't be a, a plague. Doesn't David Amal know that? What was he thinking? Hashem said to him, David, David, I promised the forefathers 
to make many their descendants like the stars of the heavens. And you're coming to nullify, to make, to make, to 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 make null my words. You're, you're t- taking away what I said is going to happen. Because of you, on account of what you've done, this sheep, meaning B'nai Yisrael, these sheep are going to be given over as food. They're going to, people from B'nai Yisrael are going to die. Says the Medrash, and within three hours, there was a plague, and within three hours, 70,000 70, Jews died in this plague. So that was the punishment for David Amal. He decided he was going to count B'nai Yisrael, and then Taka, there was a Negev in B'nai Yisrael, and 70,000 people died in three hours. Rabbi Shimon Aymer, no. Rabbi Shimon says, no. No, it wasn't 70,000 people that died. It was only Avishai ben Tzruya. Only one person who died. But he was equal in his good deeds and in his terror learning. He was equal to 70,000 people. Shinamrat says in the Pasuk, The Pasuk in Divrayamim, when it discusses this plague, it says, and 70,000 people from Bnei Yisrael fell. But the Lashon is, Vayipam Bnei Yisrael shivim elef ish. Anoshim in ksiv, pan. It doesn't say anoshim in plural form. Ele ish. It says man. 70,000 men. What does it mean 70,000 men? It should be 70,000 men. So that comes to tell you that no. It was really 70,000. What is really one person who is equal to 70,000 men. Uh, Avishai Ben Surya, who happened to be David Amalek's uh, first cousin, right? Because Tsuruya is David Amalek's uh, mother's sister, right? Yeah. So, 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 so he was equal to seventy thousand people, and he was killed. But now it's it's, it's a shtigul tzarchian because we just said in three hours seventy thousand men were killed, and then we're saying no, it was really one person. Why is it in three hours? The, it, it, to, to kill one person takes a split second. So what, what, if we're talking about one person dying, so what does it mean in three hours? The, the, the Radha sort of asks this question. But Pashas, it's a machlikis. So he like, the Tanakhama said 70,000, and Rabbi Shimon is saying, no, it was only one person. What? Yeah, a three-hour wagon before they A three-hour what? What's it called? Three-hour tour? Um. Goses for three hours, but that's uh, uh, but again to to kill a person it takes a split second. Now he's alive, now he's dead. The 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 moment that he went from being alive to being dead, that's when he died. The mission, the mission. The Mishnah Sachas Smochi says, "Hagoses hareu kachay lechol dover." So, he, he, even when he's a goisis, <laughs> I remember uh, my Rebbe was, was one time. I don't know if he was he was making a joke or he was trying to really tell us something. He's like, "What's a this Rebbe Grossman in LA?" He's like, "What's a goisis? A goisis is a person. He's mamish on his way to dying. So what does that mean? First, his pinky dies." Then his nose dies, and then his ear dies. So like he's on his way to dying. I don't know what that means. So you're either dead or you're not dead. What do you mean your pinky died? I'm not sure if he was stop joking or he was he was trying to tell us that, like there's an idea that glaces is that like 
it's like the body is sort of deteriorating or dying, and then and then finally the neshama leaves. But the Mishnah says that Gaisus is until 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 it's just a neshama. Yeah. Okay. So what? So what, 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 What's happening over here? David yeah, Malach wanted. Malach was that the Abdul Mugay was chasing for three hours. I don't know. Trying to, I don't know, wrestling with them for three hours. I don't know. So what's so what's happening over here? David Malach wanted. You know, it's also the company Saul. David Malach wanted to count them, and then there was this plague, and then this one person died. And now we're going to say afterwards that David Malach did tshuva, and then his tshuva was accepted, etc. It's like, what, 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 what's the idea over here? So Leomi Yisrael says an interesting idea. It's an interesting pshat. So the, the Gemara, it's a Gemara in Yuma. The Gemara in Yuma says, it brings a pasuk in Heishea, in Perak Beis. It says in Heishea, V'haya mitzbar b'nei Yisrael k'chela yom asher lo'yimad v'le'yisafer. The number of b'nei Yisrael will be like the sand of the sea, meaning the, the, the sand on the beach, asher lo'yimad v'le'yisafer, which cannot be measured and it can't be counted. We just said, V'haya mitzbar b'nei Yisrael. The number of b'nei Yisrael is going to be like that. Right? So how can you say you can't count it? You just said Vahaya Mitzvah. So the Gemara and Masechah Ziyama asks this as a stira. Could, could you count it or could you count, or you, could you? Is there a number or is there no number? And the Gemara says that One place, when, when could you count B'nai Yisrael? When is there a finite number to B'nai Yisrael? When they're not doing B'nai Yisrael. That's part, the partial way of understanding the Gemara. And when they're doing it, then there's no number. There, it's, in, it's like, it's kilo infinite. Ben Israel is infinite when they're doing it. When they're not doing it, it's finite. You, you could count it. So there's a medrash that says, in Parsha Shaftim, in Rish, uh, Dvarim Rabbah in Parsha Shaftim, it says over there, in, in Dvarim Rabbah in Parsha Shaftim, it says in the time of Dovin Melech, so Bnei Yisrael were Baile Dluturian. They were Baile Dluturian, which the Mepharshim over there explained that it means yeah, they were Baile Lashon Hara. People used to say a lot of Lashon Hara. And that's why wherever David Melech would go, you know, people would tell Shaul Melech where David is and what he's doing and make, make trouble. Even though the Gemara seems to say that it was really Daig HaDaimi who was like making all the trouble, but this matter seems to be saying they're like the Jews themselves, they were all informants and they were telling everybody everything that's happening. So they were Baile Lashon Hara. So David Malik reasoned that if Bnei Yisrael were Bali Lashon Hara, that's called not doing Ritzayin Shalmakim. And if they're not doing Ritzayin Shalmakim, then they're limited to a finite number. If they're limited to a finite number, then, then I could count them. What's the problem? I could count them. They're not doing Ritzayin Shalmakim. That was what David Malik's Havamina was. Why he, should, why he should be able to count them. Even though we know that Torah says you shouldn't count Bnei Yisrael unless you do it with Mach Tzashachim. But David Malik's Havamina was that since they're... He's asking two things. There's two things there's able to and there's allowed to oh you're you're, you're seeming to put them together uh, I, i'm confused you're right i am you're i'm asking, i'm putting them together to? i'm using not able to. i'm sort of them i'm sort of understanding them interchangeably that if, if they don't have a number then you're not allowed to count it like the manager is sort of saying over here that because if you count it then you're you're, you're sort of going against what hashem said because hashem said b'nai yisrael is not going to have a number and then you're saying oh they do have a number they have this number but that would only be when they're doing Ritzel Shemakim, meaning at that point, 
You can't be counted, and therefore you shouldn't count them. Right. Just go with the flow. Everybody's, but, everything's going well. But you're right. That, that's what I was saying until now. Now, now, now we're sort of going to change it. Rabbi Leo Meizvi says like this. What's the shot? What's the idea that uh, of that Bnei Yisrael doesn't have a number? What do you mean it doesn't have a number? Go and count them. They have a number. Infinity, infinity is sort of like a, it's like a theoretical number called infinity. But anything in this world is obviously you can go and count it, and, and it exists, right? So what does it mean that it doesn't have a, there's no number, and you can't count it? So Belial Mezrus is a, a very interesting idea. He says like this: What it means that Bnei Yisrael won't have a number when they're doing Ritzen Shemalkim is that when people are doing Ritzen Shemalkim, they're tzaddikim, they're doing, they're doing the right thing. So every single Jew is equal to all of Bnei Yisrael. Every person is equal to all of Bnei Yisrael. This person, you are equal to 600,000 people, right? You're equal to 600,000 people. You're equal to 600,000 people. And the problem is that if every person is equal to all of Bnei Yisrael, right? And, but all of Bnei Yisrael is equal to all of Bnei Yisrael, and all of Bnei Yisrael is equal to all of Bnei Yisrael, so then it's, it's sort of infinite. Because in each person, you're, you have an infinite amount because each person is equal to every other person. But every other person is also equal to every other person. So it, add infinitum and it's, it's impossible to count it anymore. But that's sort of like a, a ruchniyastika equal, a, a ruchniyastika number. Like, a, like, like, you know, like, uh, I don't know how you would say like, like, if you wanted to put a number like, what's the, the, the ultimate schar of Bnei Yisrael in Shemayim, so what's that number? So that number would be each person is equal to everyone and everyone's equal to everyone else, so then it's infinite. But the physical number, if you wanted to count every single Jew, you could get to a physical number even when they're doing Ritzen Yishalakim. That's what Rabbi Yomi Ezra says. You could get to a physical number. So he says, like, David Malik's mistake was that he made sort of two mistakes. The first mistake was that he assumed that everyone, since they're Bali Lashon Hara, and that's called not doing Ritzen Yishalakim, then he's allowed to count them. Mistake is that, no, maybe people did Tshuva. He says, maybe, maybe they thought, had thoughts of tshuva. Right? We know that once you do hear her tshuva, my bit also sort of mentions this when he's talking about the idea of tshuva. When you, you have an inkling of tshuva in your, in your head, you think about maybe some, some, some sort of idea of maybe I'm going to go do tshuva, that's already in certain ways, that already makes you a tzaddik. The Gemara, it's a famous Gemara, the Gemara says, if you do condition to a, a woman on tonight on the condition that I'm a tzaddik, I say I'll marry you on condition that I'm a tzaddik, and you know that he's the worst Russian in the world. Still, it's a suffolk condition. Maybe, maybe the Gemara says maybe he, it was maharher b'tshuva. He had thoughts of tshuva, and at that moment he really was a tzaddik gomer because in his mind he was going to do tshuva. You know, he was thinking of doing tshuva. He was starting to do tshuva in his mind. That already makes him a tzaddik gomer. So the Tan and David and is what you're counting Bnei Yisrael because you think that they didn't do tshuva. They, they didn't do tshuva in their bali Maybe they did tshuva in their head, even though it doesn't look like they did tshuva, but they were maharab tshuva, and that's already a darga enough of tshuva to make it that that, that they're going to be they're, they're going to be equal to everyone else. So then it'll be Ainla and misbar. So how could you count them? That's first of all. Second of all, if you count them, even let's say you're right, fine. They, they're, 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 everyone's, every, all Bnei Yisrael are Rishayim. Even if you, we'll give you, we'll concede that point, say everyone's, everyone's a Russia, they're all Bali Lashonar, and you're allowed to count them. But there's a problem, because if you count them, 
then people, the, oh, sorry, even if you're going to count everyone, and you're right, right? The problem is that if you're going to count, say, okay, here's the census number. The number is, etc. whatever, 600,000 people, right? This is the number of, of, of all the Jews, or a million people, right? So for the Amaransim that don't realize what it means, in Mispar, they're going to think that what you're saying is going against the Nebuah that Hashem gave to Avram Avinu. They're going to say that, oh, by you saying that there's a million Jews, you're going against the Nebuah of Hashem that said that, that the Jews are not going to have a number. They're not going to, the Amaratsim are not going to realize that the, the underlying idea is, the underlying idea is that, that it doesn't literally mean numbers in, in, in terms of physically counting the, what, what you have, the physical units, but rather what it means is like a ruchniyistika number, what each person represents, what he's equal to, People, people don't realize that. People don't realize that it's totally in what's equal to. They, they think that when you say a, a million, so that means that there's a million people. I, Hashem said, ain't misbar. Oh, Hashem is wrong. And, that, and you know, that's the problem. And you, you can be saying Hashem is wrong. So, so Hashem didn't want him to count them. That should be because, I guess also, I guess, assuming that they're going to do tshuva, and really it's ain't lahem misbar. So, what, what happened was that this person, Avishai bin, bin, Avishai bin Surya, he was killed. It was one person who was killed, and one person corresponds to 70,000 people. From that, David Melech understood, wait, if, if you count people, there's supposed to be a plague. So where's the plague? It was only one person who died. Where's the plague? So what, 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 what got David Melech, sorry, David Melech, to, to realize what happened over here, was one person being killed equal to 70,000 people being killed. And that he realized, ah, when we're talking about numbers, we're not talking about the physical numbers. We're talking about the ruchniyistika numbers, what each person is equal to. And when we're talking about what each person is equal to, so then but if I count it and I release the census records, you know, then people will, will, won't realize what it, what it means, they'll think there is a misbar. People will, will realize that it, they'll, they'll think Hashem is wrong or whatever. So then he did shuvah. So he realized that he did is wrong. The, the, the spiritual number could, could vary depending on the, the level of shuvah and Torah learning and. and pa- yeah, I would, I would assume so. Yeah. I think how to the day of his death because of the yeah. Yeah. The last moment he was able to do shuvah. So at this, so at this point, David Amel realizes what happened. Some gear source it says Shenamar, but the Marzu takes out because this what we're saying next is not a pasuk. Shenam, so not Shenamar. Vishama David, David Mal heard about this. That this um, what's his name? Avishai ben Tzuria died, and he realized this whole idea, or at least according to Ilbeliel me Ismer, this whole idea that the misbar is not totally in the physical number, but it's totally in what each person represents in a ruchnis level. Bishama David, David heard, Bikaras Bigodov, he tore his he rent his garments, Bulovash Sakva Efer, and he donned uh, sack cloth and ashes upon himself, Vinofal upon of Arsal of Nearin Brisashem, and he fell on the on the floor, he fell his face on the floor in front of the the Orin. Right? Like he's doing Tachnun. The Radha wants to say from here, he have sort of a raya that you're only supposed to say Tachnun with Nefila Sapayim in a place where there's a Sefer Torah. David Malach went put his face down on in front of the Aron. Let's say like by Achav, when we were talking about Achav doing Tshuva, he didn't say that he put his face down on the floor because there was no Aron by Achav. But by David Malach there was Aron.
and he requested repentance in front of Hashem. Ba'amar and he said, Ribbin Kalaylamim, Master of the Universes, Anoichi Hushatasi, I am the one who had sinned. Haver Nochatasi, please erase my Avera, my sin. And the Rebbe is has a whole shadow over here. Why is it I am the one who sinned? Just say I sinned. Why I am the one who sinned? So he wants to say that like David Malchus using not that. Him. What? He's saying I and not Bnei Yisrael sinned. I'm the one who sinned, not Bnei Yisrael, and therefore I'm asking for chuba for for everyone together. Because even though I'm a yachid, I'm an individual person, but it could be that I correspond to all of Bnei Yisrael in that ruchniyistic way. Because as we've mentioned a few times in the other contexts, that like the king is like the representation of all of Kali Yisrael. So. David was sort of saying, like, in my role as the king, so I, even though I'm the one that sinned and everyone else is getting punished, you know, I'm asking Hashem for, for tshuva for everyone together. Venir says, Tshuvasai, and a Kurdish who was appeased by David Melchus, Ba'am, and Hashem said to the angel, the, the destructive angel that was destroying the, the nation, that, that, I guess, like, the, 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 the sort of the personification of that plague that was afflicting Kali Yisrael, Hashem said, Rav Ata Heref Yodacha. Rav Ata, now there is many. Heref Yodacha, weaken your hand. Like, you'll hold your hand back. Like, stop killing. What does it mean? Mahu Rav. What's this Rav Ata? There's a lot. There's many. Pashas means there were many people killed. But the, the Bayesha says that. Then Hashem said, Rav Lach. Many people were killed few, like it was too much, like like we said in the Parshas of Eschanan, Rav Lach, al of Dabari, like, it's enough. So she said, Rav Lach, it was enough like, how, how much you killed. I mean, just, it just says, Rav. Amalai, Rav, enough of Bnei Yisrael. A Rav, a Rav of Bnei Yisrael was killed. Who's that Rav? That Rav was Avishai bin Tzuriya who was killed. Right, so Hashem tells the, the Malach Hamashchis, the destructive angel, to stop. What did that Malach do? It took its sword. It took its sword that it was used for, it was to kill the Bnei Yisrael from the plague, and it took its sword and it cleaned its sword in the talis of Dovin Malach. In Dovin Malach's talis, or maybe his cloak, or something like that, and it cleaned its sword on Dovin Malach's cloak, whatever that means. Right? Dovin Malach saw. The sword of the Malachim of us, and he was shaking. All of his limbs were shaking until the day that he died. Because he was scared, because David Malach was scared because of the sword of the angel of Hashem. So you see that David Malach became scared because he because he saw this sword of the Malach, and therefore his body was shaking until the day that he died. The idea that the, the, the Malach's sword touched his clothing, so the Marzu sort of explains this, and the Bible sort of is Miramis. The, the idea is that um, the, the Malach Hamashchis has a kayak of destroying, destruction, rendering things useless. Right? So when his sword touched David Malach's shirt, uh, clothing, so it rendered David Malach's clothing useless. And the next, the next, this this story of of the the plague of David Melch counting Bnei Yisrael is much at the end of Shemuel Beis. The beginning of the next sefer, Malachim Aleph, 
the beginning of the next sefer, juxtaposed to this story, is that Tavar Malach was very old and he couldn't. His, he was very cold, and his clothing weren't able, wasn't able to warm him up, and he had to u- utilize the services of Avishag Hashanamis. Right, so the, that's the next story. So the Baisagol and the Marzu explain that there's a connection between these two stories. David Amalek was cold. Why? Because the the sword of the Malach Hamashkis touched his clothing and sort of destroyed his clothing, made him useless, and in 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 keeping him warm. And because of that, you know, he was shaking and he wasn't able he he wasn't able to go lidrish elikim whatever, and he had to come onto the services of Avishag Hashanamis. But, so that's the second story of Tshuva. Tavad Malach here, where there was a plague, Bnei Yisrael was getting killed, Tavad Malach did Tshuva, and that was what the Lashen, as we said before, that it was Kitris Lefnei Puranis. It was a shield that protected Bnei Yisrael from the divine retribution. Now the third story. Rabbi Shua the third story. Teida Lecha Koyach HaTshuva. You should know the power of Tshuva from who? From Menashe, the son of Chizkiah, he was one of the kings of Yehuda, Machus Yehuda. What did he do? He did all the bad, horrible abominations that are possible in the world. He, he did great many, a great many bad things. He slaughtered things to foreign gods. Shneva it says in the Pasuk, Vuhever is Banov Baish Begai Ben Hainaim. He passed his son in a fire in the valley of Ben Hainaim. What's this valley of Ben Hainaim? The Gemara says, Misarasuka Andaf Lamin Bezim Ebez. The Gemara says that one of the, there's a Pischeshel Gehenim. One of the entrances to Gehenim is in Yushalayim. In this place called Ge Ben Hainaim, the valley of Ben Hainaim, that, that's called the, en- the entrance to, to Gehenim. Is in Yerushalayim. So Davka, that place, there was, a, I guess, there was, some, there was a big fire over there. The Bliyomi Ezra says there was a big fire over there because that's the entrance to Gehenim. And and Davka, at that place, Menashe would take his sons and pass them over to I don't remember if it was to the Melech or if it was Baal. And he would he would be over this Isra of, of bringing your sons to the Melech or to Baal as a child immolation. The Gemara, interestingly, there's a Gemara that says. That he did it to his son Chizkiyo. I'm sorry, we're talking about Menashe. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, that was by Achaz. It says that Achaz also did this. He was going to do it to his son Chizkiyo, and his mother smeared him with salamandria, the blood of a salamandria, which protects you from fire. But that, that's Achaz. That's Chizkiyo's father. Now we're talking about Menashe, Chizkiyo's son. So Chizkiyo, uh, Menashe did it. Did I guess did Moilech and he did he did a Vayazara of of Baal. Um, the Gemara says that he he put a he put a an idol in the Heichal of the Beis Hamikdash, right? Rashi in Masechus Tainus says that, that that's one of the reasons why we fast on on Shemus uh, Tamas because the Himid Selim the Heichal, which Rashi says is referring to this story. Others say it's referring to a different story, but that's what Rashi says. This is a Gemara in Sanhedrin says that he was boiled uh, a you know, he incest with his sister, etc. Menashe was a really bad guy. Here Balaz says, Harabene Hashem Hachisai. He continued, he did many multiple bad things in the eyes of Hashem in order to get Hashem angry. Vahayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayayay
not, not clear exactly what this line means. Mafrashenim, he would separate doves. What does that mean, Mafrashenim? I would, I would, Pashtas, I would assume that what it means is that he would separate birds to bring them as korbanos for Avodah Zara. That's how I understood it. The Radal says that in other versions of this Medrash, it doesn't have that line of Mafrashenim. The girl, they take out those words. The Radal wants to say that maybe it says, Mali Yerushalayim Mishfichus Damim. He would fill up Yerushalayim with Shfichus Damim, with spilled blood. Because Menashe was the first king of Malchi Yehuda who was a mass murderer. Maybe even the only king of Yehuda who was a mass murderer. And he used to kill people. So he filled it up with blood. But then he asked, like, well, we're in the middle of talking about his, his inequities of the Zara. So, like, why would he mention his murder, his. his, his um, Inclination towards murder if we're talking about his Avarizara. I don't know. And Manasha would. Well, maybe according to the message, say that he killed people through the Avarizara, they'd make them hold the statue or something like that? Ah, yeah, there's a, a Gemara in Sanhedrin that says that Manasha had uh, this huge pestle of Avarizara that, that it was. It, it took a thousand people to carry it. And, and, the, and the Gemara says that every day he would kill a thousand people. So what does that mean? So Rashi said that every day he would have people c- carry it and because it was so heavy it would collapse on these people and a thousand people that were carrying this big idol would die. So maybe that's what it means. I, that, 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 that would be a good answer to the Radal's kasha. He's like, why does this have to, what does this murder have to do with the Vedas? Well, if you're asking the question, it means that that's not the answer because you probably knew this murder. Right? No, I'm saying it's a good question. You were, you're saying it's a good well, so I'm saying the answer is not a good one because if Radal still leaves himself with the question, it must be that it's not the answer. I don't know. I don't know if you could say. So I, I, I don't know if you have to say that. Probably this also. It's a Gemara. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he just he didn't think of the relevance or whatever. I don't know. You you don't always. He left it for you. Yeah. What came he nichol in his voice of his gather? I hardly doubt that. No. So why is it a bad bad answer? Well, because if if there would be that, you would give that as an answer. No, but that. So, so, so then logically, why is that a bad answer? Why didn't he answer that then? Because oh, maybe he's trying to speak at everything by itself, by its own merit, no? Each other by its own uh, But I'm saying here the, here the manager doesn't mention that he was Baal Chesoy, the manager doesn't mention that he put a pestle in the Heichal, the manager doesn't mention all the other bad things that Nasha did. I, I don't know. He was also the good psukim say that he was he was he did all these bad things. Al Kapanim, that's the story of of Menashe. He was doing all these horrible bad things. So what happened to Menashe? So so in in Sefer Melachim, it doesn't it doesn't say anything else. It just says all the bad things that Menashe did, and then he died. He was king for fifty five years. He was the longest reigning king of Malchi. You, uh, of all the, all the Jewish kings ever, he was the longest reigning, 55 years, Menashe was king. And she says that he did all these bad things and he died and he, he was evil and whatever. That's what it says in Sefer Melachim. Most of the years he was good, of course. In Sefer it brings a little bit of a different story. In Yamim, it brings more or less this story, except without some of the details that our Medrash over here says. The officers of the Legion of Asher of Assyria came and they grabbed Menashe Biminikas Raishai. Not clear exactly what Biminikas Raishai means. Radal says it means on the corner of his head. 
the Marzu says it means that they, they put him in in golden chains. The Bayes Hagadol says it means that they grabbed him by like some sort of crown that the king used to wear. The Radal also wants to say that it means that he w- he was handcuffed. So whatever whatever it is, they came and they took away Menashe. They captured Menashe. and they brought him to Bavel. The king, the the the, Ashur, the army of Ashur took Menashe and they brought him to Bavel. and they put Menashe in a huge pot that was under a fire that was on top of a fire, and they were going to burn him alive. And, and the the the, the Rebbe Israel and the Radal also I think it's Radal. They say that this would be Mida Keneged Mida that he brought his put his kids through fire. So Mida Keneged Mida, he's going to be killed through fire. He's in, he's being killed in a, he's being put in a big pot and they're going to kill him in this big pot. Visham Karolachol Elihim Achirim Shuzavachlehem. And in this place, um, Menasha called out to all the the other gods, the foreign gods that he had sacrificed to them. And none of the gods answered him back and they didn't answer him and they didn't save him. He was left alone to be killed. So Menashe said, I'm going to call out to the God of my forefathers with all my heart. Maybe he's going to make a, a miracle like all the miracles that he did for my father. Right? We know the famous miracle that Hashem did for Chizkiyo, Menashe's father, that he wiped out the entire army of Ashur overnight when they were besieging Yerushalayim. And Menashe called out to the God of his fathers with all of his heart, and Hashem listened to his tefillah, or Vayayosar, and Hashem listened to his tefillah, and Hashem listened to him, and Menashe prayed to Hashem, and Hashem listened to him. But, and, 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 and basically what happened was that the king of Ashur reinstated, brought him back to Yerushalayim, reinstated him as king, and everything was you know, back to normal, and everyone lived happily ever after. And the Medrash says, Ba'isha at that moment, Omar Menashe, Menashe said, Is din is dayan. There is din, there is justice, and there is a dayan, there is a judge who judges people. Rebliomi Ismar for some reason has a different girsa. He says, Omar Moshe Ba'isha Shah Omar Moshe, not Omar Menashe, Omar Moshe. That some Somehow Moshe Rabbeinu prophetically saw that this was going to happen. Moshe Rabbeinu said, Is din is dying. Like this phrase, Is din is dying. We had similar before by Cain that when when Cain saw that Hevel's carbon was accepted and his carbon was not accepted, so Cain said the exact opposite. He said, Lays din v'lays dying. One second, Where, what pack was that in? Um, and here we're saying Menashe recognized the opposite that no, that Hashem does exist and Hashem does intervene in the world and Hashem does judge it according to a person's deeds so that's the story of Menashe and the Gemara says that Menashe is king for 55 years for 22 years he did Averas and for 33 years he did Shuvah that's the story of Menashe. Um, the question is like this. 
why is Menashe's Tshuva brought in Divrei Yomim, but it's not brought in Sefer Melachim? That's one question. So I found two, two, two answers to this question. I did, let me just make sure we, I spoke out everything. Yeah. I found two answers to this question. One is from a Sefer called Emunas Chachamim, from Rav Aviad Sar Sholem of Basila, in the end of Parak Kaf Aleph, in his Sefer Emunas Chachamim. So he says a word like this. He says that in, there's a difference between Sefer Malachim and Sefer Divrei Yomim. Who wrote Sefer Malachim and who wrote Sefer Divrei Yomim? Malachim, Gemara in Misachas Baba Basra says that Sefer Malachim was written by Yirmiyoa Novi. Yirmiyoa Novi, Pashtus wrote the Sefer not long after the Beit HaMegilish was destroyed and Kaisal went into Gaulus Bavel. Divrei Yomim was written by Ezra Sefer in the beginning of the Bayashim, right? When, by the, when everyone came back from Golos, Pavel, and then they were they rebuilt the base of English and they were reinstituting everything. That was Divrayam. So, Emunos Chachamim wants to say a fundamental difference between the two Swarm. This is that Sefer Melachim did not talk about the tshuva that Menashe did because even though Menashe did tshuva, but he only did tshuva, a personal tshuva, that he stopped doing a verse, he stopped doing a vayduzar. And the Pasuk says that he sort of paid lip service and tried to, he said, and said that he said to B'nai Yisrael that they shouldn't do, they, they shouldn't worship a vayduzar anymore. It, and it says vayyoymer instead of vayidaber. So it's like a, a, a weaker lashon. So Menashe didn't really try to get everyone else to do tshuva, he just did tshuva himself. So the fruits of his averas continued to blossom because people were still doing Avaydazara under Menashe's influence, even though he did Shuvah, but not everyone else did Shuvah. So people were still doing Avaydazara. So when Yeriyoh and Navi wrote Sefer Melachim, he, he didn't want to write that Menashe did Shuvah, because even though Menashe did Shuvah, but people were still doing Avaydazara, even in Yeriyoh and Navi's time, because of what Menashe was doing under Menashe's influence. So, so Yeriyoh and Navi didn't want to write it in Sefer Melachim. Mashiach Divrei Yomim was written by Ezra, and by the time of Ezra, they had already shechted the, the Yitzhahara of Avodah They did that in the beginning of Bayez Sheni, the Anshak Nesuket got rid of the, the Yitzhahara of Avodah so nobody was doing Avodah anymore. So then you had Menashe, he did Tshuva, and also, if you look around, there's no one else doing, uh, still doing Avodah under the influence of Menashe, so in some way you could say that Menashe's Tshuva was more complete by the time that Divrei Yomim is being written, so Divrei Yomim records Menashe's Tshuva, and Sefer Melachim doesn't record Menashe's Tshuva. That's what the Munas Chachamim says. Based on uh, another statement called Toldos Yeshua, Mesachas Avis, he adds in some, some parts of what I just said. That's one Mahalach. Another Mahalach is, I saw in the art school, in the art school Divrei Yomim, so they have Chidushim uh, from Rav Moshe Eisman, when the is the Magichin in Neri Yisrael. So Moshe Eisman says like this, a different Mahalach. He says that there's a difference between Sefer Malachim and Sefer Tivra Yomim. Sefer Malachim talks about the kings of B'nai Yisrael as individuals. What was their role as a, as a person? What was Menashe as a person? Was that he was a bad person? He did Avodah He was he did all these averes. As a person, he was a, a bad person. Tivra Yomim. The point of Divrei Yomim is really to sort of give legitimacy to Malchus Beis Tovit. It's, it's speaking about the kings of Benes, of uh, only Yehuda, Malchus Yehuda. Right? Divrei Yomim focuses on Malchus Yehuda. It's supposed to give you a, a, a broader picture of Malchus Yehuda, the continuation of Malchus Yehuda. Now, in regard to Malchus Yehuda, 
So Menashe's tshuva was successful. In regard to he himself as a person, his tshuva was not successful. Why? Because what happened? He was king. Ashur came and deposed him, brought him to Bavel. They were going to kill him. And then they decided, you know, because he did tshuva, uh, uh, in Shemayim the, the idea is, oh, because he did tshuva, we'll bring him back as king. So he lost the kingship, and then he got his kingship back. So Divrayamim, which focuses on the kingship, talks about his tshuva, because his tshuva helped. He lost his kingship to Malchus Ashur, and then he got it back. So Divrayamim talks about him doing tshuva. Why did he lose it and get it back? Because he did tshuva. Nothing to do with the Lazar anymore. Right. right. But, but Sefer Melochim is not focusing on him in, in, in his role as a king it's focusing in, in him as a person and as a person the tshuva that he did didn't really help him much it didn't make him yeah, into a better person tshuva as a healing process because he was very focused on the other person oh. he could have been made tshuva and something helped for him like you said he didn't help the, the rest of the, the whole people they're still like doing uh, the bazaar right it's so, a, a similar idea, yeah. The, the, on, on a personal level, his tshuva didn't do anything. On the malchus level, his tshuva did do something. So I, I saw an interesting idea from Aaron Marcus. He brings down like, you know, there's no there's no um, archaeological evidence b'chal, to this whole story about Menashe being captured by the king of Ashur and being reinstated as king afterwards or whatever. But he does find archaeological evidence of a similar story that happened that the same king of Ashur. Uh, captured, I believe it was the king of Egypt, the Paro king of Egypt, captured him, brought him to Bavel, and was, you know, tortured him and took money from him and whatever, and then sent him back to, to Egypt to be king again. So it's just like we find that he did it to the king of Egypt, so you could find, so maybe he also did it to the king of Yehuda as well. And we're just telling you why Hashem made that happen. That's not a steer that, that, that he, historically, that he the, the king of Usher was the type of person who would do such a thing. It's not a steer to why why Hashem would allow such a thing to happen because he did tshuva. Uh, what time is it? Forty-three. Okay, well, we'll stop over here.